today we are going to be talking about our ancestors, uh, specifically our experiences, but we're also going to be talking about what it takes to work with them and why people do. So Lancel, do you want to um, start us off with um, your experience with working with ancestors? Okay, so my experiences with the ancestors. I haven't been working with them like for a while. I think when people assume like ancestors, they just assume that like close family members, which for me isn't really true. It's really broad for me, actually. Yeah, no, I agree. So specifically what I have is um, ancestral veneration or working with our ancestors is one of the oldest types of spirit work that we see across the world in both official religious practices and in folk practices. The veneration of the dead, including one's ancestors, is based on love and respect for the deceased. Although there is no generally accepted theory concerning the origins of ancestral veneration, it does appear in some forms in all human cultures documented so far. That sounded really robotic at the very end. <laughs> no, great. I have something that uh, was specific to what you just said about people assuming that working with our ancestors means like our direct ancestors or um, our biological relatives yeah. when that is not always the case. Um, specifically, if you don't have ties to your biological ancestors, like for example, if you were adopted, how you can work with your ancestors in that regard. And also some people work with ancestors in respect to cultural or spiritual paths. So for example, you know, us being witches, we could call on some of the ancestors in a line or a path or tradition that we work with in our craft. Um, especially when you have problems or bad relationship with your biological family. I think even if they're like, even if you're not adopted, like if you have bad ties with some biological ancestors, I don't think that should limit you to working with these specific people. You can just work broad in general. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. In the beginning uh, for my practice, I did work with ancestors, but they were more ancestral spirits of the different elements versus just my specific biological ancestors. So I think there's also a common misconception for working with our ancestors in that uh, it's not the same as worshipping a deity or deities. In some cultures, ancestors are seen as being able to intercede on behalf of the living, often as messengers between humans and gods, um, and are even sometimes seen as minor deities, uh, for example, like saints in Catholicism. Um, I think some like people's beliefs tend to change and differ person to person. So even if you're like an atheist or agnostic, I think you still can work with the ancestors because in the theory of Egypt is that people reach immortality through being remembered here. So essentially, in a way, they become immortal through memory. Absolutely. I agree with that. So um, if you have like different beliefs or don't believe in an afterlife, I think it's still respectable to work with them, even if it's going to differ a bit. Yeah, well, like, for example, um, like in the mundane uh, life or as an example in the mundane world, um, it's common for us to visit the graves of our loved ones, leave offerings such as flowers and pray to them in order to honor their memory or, you know, ask for their assistance in our mundane life. So like you said, even if you are an atheist uh, and you don't believe in a specific religion or um, God, uh, I think at some point throughout your life there's been communication with your ancestors yeah i agree even if you don't really believe in an afterlife 
there's many different reasons to work with them. Like some could be for working with healing ancestral curses, which are like alcoholism, smoking. It could also be to heal trauma, just respect in general. It could be just tradition, like Day of the Dead. Yeah, exactly. So I know that I said a little bit uh, about my experience in the beginning, but more recently I've started working with my ancestors on um, a magical level, not just reaching out to them on the mundane level. And um, it actually, recently I heard a quote, and I believe it was from Maya Angelou, uh, and the quote says, I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. And I think that really changed my perspective on um, working with ancestors because it literally says how no matter what your beliefs are, you are basically the accumulation of everyone that has come yeah. before you. And so I think that really changed my perspective on including them in my practice and in, in my magic and um, made me really start to look into that aspect of the craft more so. Um, and I don't, I don't work with many different ancestors specifically. It started out as one ancestor and I felt a connection with this ancestor throughout my whole life. So I thought that it was appropriate to start there and build from that. And like you said, a lot of the times we come to working with our ancestors and our practice for different reasons. But one of those reasons for me was healing some generational trauma that has uh, come through my family and working with this specific ancestor has helped me really dig into my shadow work and do some of that healing. But it's also offered another layer of protection in my work, I think, as well. Also, I think besides like personal reasons, I think as pagans, since we tend to connect more with nature, we tend to believe that, well, I say we tend to believe, it's a fact, all that came before us are in the earth, technically. So, right. yeah. Right. Um, I was just going to say, um, depending on what your beliefs are, but even still, like you said, um, I think that's kind of like a fact that all of us s subscribe to and is, is that, go ahead. <laughs> it is factual that we go in the earth. So it does, it, for me, it's not a matter of where you go in an afterlife. It's a fact that we're going in the earth once we die. So. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that energy um, from your physical being or your soul or whatever your beliefs are, but that energy is recycled into the earth. For me, if someone is looking to create a relationship and start working with their ancestors, my first piece of advice would be to create an altar. Even if you're in the broom closet, um, you can display things that are related to your ancestors without it seeming quote-unquote witchy. I think funnily enough that people in the mundane still actually make altars technically to the ancestors when we put up frames of people who passed away. Yep, exactly. Like um, memorials or shrines, those are widely accepted and don't seem to be, again, quote unquote, witchy uh, to somebody who doesn't practice. So if you are in the broom closet, I think that that would be um, acceptable and you wouldn't have to worry about other people knowing. I think that would like start stemming us out for like offerings then. So anything that is food, uh, if, if they smoked, tobacco would work, just lighting things. Also, some people light candles on their birthdays. Oh, I love that. I never thought of that, lighting a candle for their birthday. That's, that's beautiful. I like that. Yeah, no, I would agree. Keeping candles lit on the altar, specifically yeah. if you have an altar to work with your deities, or I keep saying deities, I don't know why. Um, keeping a candle lit on your altar, specifically if you have an altar for your ancestors, even if you don't 
uh, have an altar for your ancestors right now, you can just keep a candle lit. And of course, just mind your fire safety. You don't want to yeah. leave it lit while you're not there because <laughs> that's not smart. But <laughs> um, And then like you said, making offerings um, such as like food, you can do your traditional uh, things where you make something traditional uh, if you follow a certain path within your path. Um, otherwise, you can do something personal, um, like you said, alcohol, coffee, tobacco, herbs, um, even just, you know, the first cut of your meal when you're sitting yeah. down to dinner and the first pour of your drink. Those are some ways, even if you don't have an altar, that you could just do it straight at your dinner table. And that would be leaving an offering or giving them an offering of your meal when you're sitting down. I'm specifically pulling from African tradition of the Atlantic slave trade. These people weren't allowed to build altars. So the kitchen table was technically their altar. You don't really need any of these like fancy desks or tables specific for working with ancestors. I think the heart is, I think now it's more of the kitchen, the center of the home. So if you work there or just like leave a corner of like a counter and just leave something burning or just something there, I think that could work well. And even if it's just food, I think you can drink or eat it as long as you leave some time. Like when you see uh, the Day of the Dead, tradition, they bake bread, but then they eat it the next day. So it's not wasted. Right. And that's a good point to note, because I think a lot of people do have questions in regards to offerings and, you know, what you do with them, how long you leave them, if it's okay to eat them, those sorts of things. So that I think is important um, what you just said there. Yeah, I think it depends on the person and you can always just return to the earth. So it makes sense that all our ancestors are in the earth. So it's technically going there. Yeah, and that's something that I personally do. Like I have like a jar of dirt and I just leave it there as a representation of that. Um, Specifically for me, I use any moon water that I collect and I'll pour it in a shot glass and leave the shot glass on my altar. And that's generally like something that I would refill every other day or, or at the minimum once a week. Yeah, I think water is a really big thing. A lot of people tend to offer water. What I do is I either light something, burn incense or cleansing wands. I don't really see it as cleansing. I see it as as another form of incense, specifically rosemary. Um, I think some people tend to have do's and don'ts. I feel like it's like, I have a saying, keep it like, treat it as your kitchen table. You don't really want it dirty. Right, and and I think... When you're working with your ancestors, anytime that you're putting um, energy into it, um, I think is is a form of connection with them. So like you said, when you don't want to keep your altar or your table cluttered, so even just the task of cleaning that off and placing things in a specific way could be, you know, a way of connecting with them. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I have a book that I wanted to recommend um, because I recently had one that was recommended to me. So I think that it would be good uh, for anybody who's looking to learn a little bit more about working with their ancestors. Um, The book is called Honoring Your Ancestors, A Guide to Ancestral Veneration by Mallory. I'm going to butcher the last name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, But basically in this book, you learn how to connect with your ancestor and receive the benefits from Uh, generations, uh, deeper spirituality, bring more love into your life, um, powerful magic, spell work, stuff like that. She also talks about different techniques and tips uh, on how to uh, work with your ancestors, how to create an altar, and how to incorporate um, spells and rituals, um, and even family recipes and those sorts of things into your... I also have two books to recommend. 
One is Candle on the Crossroads, a book of Appalachian Conjure and Southern Rootwork by Orion Foxwood. Uh, it's more than just working with the ancestors, grave etiquette. Uh, it, um, it's Southern Rootwork, so there's a bit more. And I think some people would say, you're white, you can't practice this. Well, the actual thing, it's an open practice. The author treats it, treats it as an honor in a way. Right. I think it's interesting that uh, that you brought that book up because I had I had some notes on that as well. Um, I think a lot of people question what they can do and what paths they can take and um, how they work with their ancestors or how they um, honor their ancestors um, in regards to their culture or their traditions. And I mean, if you can, I would suggest researching your genealogy um, and, and kind of taking a look at what you have in your roots and maybe picking something from there um, to work with and, and explore. Of course, just be mindful of closed practices. But I think that in regards to how you do things, it's as long as you're being respectful and sensitive to that culture, it's your choice. We talked yeah. a little bit about our experiences. Um, we talked a little bit about ancestors, what it takes to work with them and why people do it. Um, so we talked a little bit about like creating altars and some of the things that you could do for offerings. We also talked a little bit about like why people would work with their ancestors. So I guess it's just kind of elaborating on some of the points we've already made. Yeah. Also, I just want to say, don't expect it to just be like happy all the time, especially if it's someone who was close to you. There's going to be trauma and grief along the way. And I'm just yeah. like saying it to be like preventing s someone from working with them. I'm just saying it's just going to be a thing. No, no, I, I agree with that. Um, I actually recently watched a video and they were talking about ancestors. And uh, one person had mentioned um, not calling on your ancestors who have experienced those traumas, but going back further pre-trauma. And I just wanted to make a note that I think it is important that when you work with your ancestors, like you said, some of the first ancestors that may come through to you may be those ancestors who have experienced that trauma that you need to in turn work with um, to help clear that trauma out prior to being able to connect to someone else. And may, that may not be the case for everyone, but that's certainly been my experience with uh, one of the ancestors that I'm currently working with now is a lot of the trauma that has come through my family line started with her. Yeah, especially if you're trying to invoke them and just like trying to get rid of the trauma. Uh, don't just expect it to just be like happy. You, If you're working with trauma, you're going to like half of the time is just crying and feeling sad, but it's healing. Right, exactly. And I think that's one of the big reasons, um, at least for me anyways, in why um, somebody would work with their ancestors is to help with that healing process, um, specifically because one day we are all going to be ancestors. Yeah. And healing that trauma now um, prevents it from going down your uh, family line and your um, descendants having to deal with that familial trauma. Especially if it's like something like alcoholism, it's not going to be like a happy thing. Right. And there also needs to be some sort of reverence when working with them as well. Um, especially if you're working with an ancestor who has trauma and paying respects to their journey 
um, because their journey has led to you being here today. So being respectful to the experiences that they had in their lifetime, I think is important when you're working with them and working through any trauma, specifically if you're working with an ancestor who has um, experienced that trauma that you're trying to heal. Also, I think a big thing is that when working with them, you should treat them as actual human beings, not as just like something that you're going to manifest all your money through. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, you know, I think it's important to note that you shouldn't come to them, especially if it's day one of trying to establish yeah. a, con a connection, asking for stuff. Like you need to build a relationship first. However, like I do caution. Oh, sorry for cutting you off there. No, no, it's okay. Yeah, just that you shouldn't come to them on day one trying to establish a connection, asking for stuff. Like you have to build that relationship first. However, I just, I do want to caution and say that don't just build a relationship with the intention of asking something yeah. for something strictly for personal gain. Like be authentic and genuine in your connection because most of the time, like these are your family members. Yeah, it's a give and take relationship. Don't just go and ask grandma for a Kit Kat the next day. <laughs> exactly in between all of these i think we need like a joke or two since it's somewhat of a sensitive topic yeah we just like need some lightheartedness in between all of these. Uh, okay well then y you go ahead because <laughs> i don't have any jokes <laughs> i have to be like build up to that i'm not just like yeah i'm just gonna drop a joke here <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that good, great with improv. <laughs> what else can we talk about? Oh, grave etiquette. Um, yeah. Um, I guess it depends, again, on your beliefs and how you work with things. Um, I'm currently reading Utterly Wicked yeah, that's by, yeah, by Dorothy Morrison. And one of the things that she mentions in... Um, in the book is the tradition of um, prior to entering the gravesite, leaving an offering of like coin at the, at the front gate prior to entering, especially if you plan on taking something with you when you leave like a grave dirt, for example. I think this could be a whole other episode that we can expand on because there are so many traditions. Like the gatekeeper has many names in uh, Canada and the crossroads. I think, no, it's, I think, yeah, it's either that or it's Old Style Conjo, which is also a really good book, where it's specifically Daddy Death. Across cultures, it's somewhat different. So depending on the tradition you follow, um, offering is going to change. But it's generally mm -hmm. coin, um, I think it's whiskey or bourbon. I've also heard wine. Yeah. Like red wine. But also, how are you going to... <laughs> I feel like you almost have to do it prior uh, to going and pouring it into something because yeah. like I'm not just going to show up at the front gate of the <laughs> graveyard with a big bottle of wine <laughs> also the cup needs to be biodegradable just gonna say that yeah especially yeah like if you're going to be burying anything there or leaving anything behind yeah you definitely want to keep that in mind and I also think that that kind of brings us into uh, some different ways that you can honor or even establish that connection you know if you have family buried near you specifically um like family that you had a connection with in the physical realm like they were alive where was i going with that um 
I think it's a good way to form that connection um, is to sit down at the graveyard and, you know, just have like a silent meal with them, have a picnic in front of their gravestone or maintain their gravestone. Um, so you can, you know, visit them on a regular basis, leave offerings, um, clear any debris or anything away from their gravestone, sit down, talk to them, let them know how things are going. Like, just like you would if you were to have a relative that was living and have a conversation with them, like, you know, hey, Nana, how are you today? You know, my, my day was good. My kids are good. Those sorts of things. Like, just like you said, having a, a conversation with them, like they are still alive and I think that that's important. I'm just trying to hold this in and not start laughing because I'm just thinking of like a rave party at the entrance of the cemetery with like the red plastic cups. <laughs> Getting lit. <laughs> that re- that's, um, that actually reminded me of like, you know, that old saying, um, where people who have passed away, if you're drinking with friends or in a way to like celebrate their life or more and mourn them, uh, was to pour out a drink for them. There's, I think there's a, a common misconception that it needs to be a specific time of year, like specifically yeah. Samhain, where you're able to work with your ancestors when that's not the case. That is when the veil is the thinnest, but that doesn't have to be the only time that you work with them. Like you can incorporate them in your practice um, whenever you feel is necessary. I think there's like a big stigma that you just need to work with them, like from um, from the tree harvest festival, so Lamas, Mabon, just Sawam, and maybe end at Yule. Yeah, it, it's just a tree. You, it can just be that, or it just can be like the whole year. You're not limited by like the time span. Some people don't even like believe that the veil tins, and it's just that's like harvest and it's getting darker. So uh, we're, tec- we're thinking of those that came before us. So some people don't really believe that the veil is thinning. That's like a whole other conversation and like a deep rabbit hole, but (laughs) it can be like 365 days a year. Exactly. Yes. Um, I don't personally, I don't wait until specific time of the year to work with them, to honor them uh, or anything along those lines. I, whenever I feel it is necessary, then I will. Yeah. It's just more of like, um, I think I'm just like be an add-on during the tree harvest festivals Christmas. Yeah, I think I think that 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 um, that thought or that that concept came about as a way of remembering them during those times and traditions because their absence was felt. And it's it's actually funny because it depends on your your location as well. Like you said, like if you're thinking of sorry the the wheel of the year, depending on your location, if you're in the northern hem- hemisphere or in the southern hemisphere, the seasons are going to differ but um the time frame the they correspond with each other if that makes sense like if i strung those thoughts together properly (laughs) yeah so you're not limited by a wheel because like if it's someone in england it's beltane in australia exactly not limited so there's no specific time exactly yeah um, do we have any more book recommendations that we want to offer to our listeners? Uh, besides Candle of the Crossroads, um, I already spoke about this a bit. It's 
Oh god, I forgot the name. What was it? Backwards? There was one that was backwards or something? No, it's not backwards. I'm trying to remember. It's called Old Style Conjure. Yeah, it's old, called Old Style Conjure. It is by... It's by Star Casas. Casas. I butchered this. S-T-R-R. <laughs> like C-A-S-A-S. Casas. Casas. It's C-A-S-A-S. I'm just like... C-A-S-A-S. Casas. Casas. Yeah. Something along those lines. <laughs> we'll just mean, apologize for the pronunciation. <laughs> if it doesn't mean houses in Spanish, then I don't know. Yeah. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry there. <laughs> I do it way too much for you to apologize. Um, I think the best way to end it would probably just be to say that there's no right or wrong. Right. Yeah, there's no right way to work with your ancestors. I think taking into consideration um, the traditions and the cultures of your um, ancestors is one way to go about it. Um, But there is no right way and it's going to be individual for each person. Um, So just keep that in mind. Yeah, I totally agree. And you don't really need to be forced to follow one traditional way. To follow one tradition because um what is my train of thought okay you're not forced to work necessarily with one tradition if you don't really believe in it or a concept and you're not limited to one time of year or a specific time frame in the year to work with them you can yeah. work with them on a daily basis if you see fit i agree i'll be linking some books and resources in the description so that's going to come in handy. Yeah. So um, you can find me on Instagram and on YouTube at uh, the witch from the North. Also, I'm going to say, just go see the interview on her channel because it was fun. I'll be linking it like up in the top right. If, and if you're watching on Spotify, why would I say watching? This is a podcast. (laughs) Spotify. um, I think I can link it down in the description. Hopefully. Okay, you can find me on Twitter at LanceldD, uh, that's T-H-E, not capital D, and Lancelot Island Witch on Instagram. kind of just yeah. go off and lose our train of thought every now and then <laughs> like a random like section where we just like uh what's the word called again for it's too late for me to talk to start talking english right now bloopers okay. <laughs> i know i was editing the video and i was like talking to my husband I'm like should i include bloopers at the end there <laughs>